0: All right. Good morning. If you weren't here at the very beginning, don't panic. If you're expecting to see young children right now, um, they're, they're coming after the message, and uh, you can tell it's this time of year because I never have people in the front couple rows, and so I love this. To get you know, the paparazzi has moved forward. Um, Anyway, we're wrapping up the book of Genesis. We've been going, this very first book of the Bible is 50 chapters long. It's called the book of beginnings. And um, we are at the end of the beginnings. Uh, We're doing 48 and 49 today. And then next week, we'll wrap it up with chapter 50. And so we're at the section of the book of Genesis that um, talks about the family that God has chosen to bless, to be a blessing to the world. And that ultimate blessing is going to come through the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, that we're gonna celebrate here in a couple of weeks. And so we're on the family of Jacob right now, who's uh, in the line of Abraham and Jacob's family. And and really, they give a good chunk of the book of Genesis to Jacob's family, especially Joseph. Joseph is Jacob's um, favorite son. He uh, loves him dearly, spoils him, and uh, the jealousy is j- just ramped up in uh, Joseph's older 11 brothers, or 10 brothers, older 10 brothers. To, so much so to where they say, we, we're just, we want him gone. And so they, they sell him off into slavery, and he's taken away out of Canaan and taken away to Egypt and they tell dad, hey, I think uh, Joseph's been killed by wild animals. And so Joseph is just totally heartbroken. In fact, he, he slips into just a dark, depressive time in his life. Well, uh, Joseph just is given bad break after bad break after bad break in his lives where you're just going, oh my goodness, is this, this is ridiculous, God, just how, Things are constantly turning against me. And yet, through it, he recognizes the presence of God and he stays faithful to God. He's got this unwavering trust in God until he gets this great break in his life. And that um, Pharaoh has been having these dreams that have been haunting him. Joseph just happens to have an uh, incredible sense of wisdom and a God-given gift to make sense of dreams. And so he's before Pharaoh and he interprets the dream and Pharaoh is so impressed by Joseph that he gives um, Joseph a position of power that's going to manage the resources of Egypt, which is significant because Egypt is not only a rich country, but they're going through seven years of prosperity. And it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph's oversight during those years of prosperity took care of the Egyptians during the years of famine. And they were not only so prepared to take care of themselves, they were able to be generous to nations around them, and so peoples are coming into Egypt saying, hey, we're about ready to die. We've run out of resources. Can we buy some from you? One of those families coming from Canaan is Joseph's family. His brothers end up standing before him 17 years later, not realizing that, uh, hey, this is, the little, this is little Joey. This is the guy that we sold into slavery. And now they're standing before him asking, can, would you be so generous to, buy, or to allow us to buy some resources from you? And Joseph, we see this amazing thing um, in Joseph, is that his heart is not full of vengeance, but his heart has forgiven them. And he actually wants to know, are they trustworthy now? That there can be hope of reconciling with them. Or are they the same jerks? I'm going to forgive them anyway, but... I don't have to be reconciled to him. Well, he finds out that enough of them, there has been growth in their life to where he is finally reconciled to them. And he says, I want the whole family to move to Egypt to be under my care during this time. And so now we pick it up. Jacob, dad, is now in Egypt. He's been in Egypt with the entire family for 17 years. And Jacob is old and sick. And so he says, I want to see my family. So Joseph and his two boys, um, Ephraim and Manasseh, go to Jacob first, and Jacob now is just, is just going to talk to them, saying, "I've had time to reflect. I, I've had lots of ups and downs in my life. You know, you might think that, you know, as Jacob, I I was not trusting of God. I was I was a control freak. I manipulated people and deceived people all around me to get what I wanted, but then." over time, I, my heart grew softer towards God. I knew he was with me. I knew he was asking for my attention and to trust him, and I just struggled with it. Um, but now, and God changed his name to Israel, and so when we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, those are his sons, okay? And so, he's saying, now I, I've learned some things through my life, and um, God has proven to be faithful. And so let me tell you some of the things I learned, and I wanna wanna tell you the truth and I wanna bless you. And so get my sons together. So he's in front of Joseph in verse three of chapter 48. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Lutz in the land of of Canaan and blessed me. And so he's beginning his story. He's saying, this is my story. This is what I'm leaving you, my kids. And I want to give you some truth that I've learned from my story. And his story starts God Almighty. I love that because Jacob's kind of been kind of a white knuckler watching him in his life. And he's been a total jerk. And then a total come to, to Jesus moment where he just recognizes the goodness of God and submits to him. And it's been this roller coaster. And now at the end, He says, you know what's marked my life? What I've learned is that I've had an almighty God who's been good. And that's my story. He begins with God Almighty, he'll end with God Almighty. So all of us have stories. All of us have stories. And so in your story, would it start God Almighty? You know, we talk about leaving a legacy. We talk about, okay, we need to, you know, do things in order to protect our inheritance and so that things that we wanna to give to our family, you know, it's protected. We, when we think about that stuff in, in this day and age, but really the most important thing that we could leave is a legacy. And so there's really two points I wanna pull out of this, and this is your story Your story is the most valuable part of your legacy. Your story is the most valuable part of your legacy. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, and I'm still towards the beginning of my story, and that's awesome, because you have a chance to to allow God to shape it, and, and it to be a beautiful story. And some of you middle, some of you towards the end. But we all have a story, and we all have a chance to, in this chapter, right now that we're living, to make this chapter the best chapter yet. And so we have a story that we wanna give. Now, when I was young, Kathy and I were younger, started to have kids, um, people told us, hey, you need to have a will. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything. I mean, I don't have anything to pass on. I don't need a will. And they said, yeah, you do, because, you know, God forbid, both of you were to die in a giant fireball. and I like to you know, paint that picture, fireball, that's what it's gonna be. Um, if that were to happen, um, you know what's gonna happen to your kids? No, well, the state's gonna take them, they're gonna split them up, they're gonna ship them off to different countries and they're never gonna be heard from again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, a will sounds like a good idea. And so we did a will. And then um, more recently we are thinking, okay, that was a long time ago. And so maybe we need to do, we need to update that thing. So we did a living trust. And, um, and that basically makes you so, you, so your assets can get to your kids as simple as possible. And you know, the government's not gonna come in and take all of them because I really would rather have my kids have it than, although I know the government is good hearted, but I just don't want them to have my stuff. So, um, so you know, especially like, what are they gonna do with my deer and elk mounts? I mean, that, you know my kids are gonna be fighting over those, and so, so I want make sure that's taken care of. But you know what, it, it made me start thinking, and, and here's what I thought, is I don't care about any of this stuff. I mean, I don't wanna leave just stuff to my family and, and have that be my legacy. I, um, so my goal is to spend my last cent when I die, no. Um, <laughs> But that's just not the important thing. Um, and I honestly don't care that much about the career they choose and the, the house they buy and the car they drive. And, and th- those aren't the big things to me. what the big things, what I want to leave them is a sense of knowing that I knew and loved God. And that I enjoyed walking with God in my life. And that um, I loved extending his love to other people and serving other people. And the heart passion was that other people would have a chance to know that there's a God who loves them and made them for a relationship with him. And that's, that's what my legacy needs to be. And this other stuff is it's just something you do to be a good steward of your resources, but it is not the stuff that I am concerned about. And we're writing our story, and our story is to be the most precious thing we leave. And so what, what's your story? Communicating about you to your friends, to your family, if you have kids, to your kids. Is it, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a hard worker and I provide. Is that what your story's screaming? Or is it, you know what, God has been good. God is good. I want you to enjoy God too. Verse five of chapter 48. Jacob says, and now your two sons, he's talking to Joseph about his two sons who are there with him in the room. And he says, bring them up to me. And he says, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they're mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are, his oldest sons. And so he's, he's, he's not saying, I'm taking them from you. He's saying, They are, I am treating them as if they are mine. I want to give them a full share of my blessing. I want to give them a full share of my inheritance. Well, Joseph deserved a full share. He's one of the kids, but he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm giving you a double blessing because I'm giving equal blessings on your children that any of my sons would have. He said, Joseph, you have been faithful in the midst of hell. And then maybe harder even is you've been faithful and trusting God, unwavering in your trust in God in the midst of prosperity. Joseph, I wanna bless you. I'm gonna give your two boys full rights to my inheritance. Now when you think of this is Jacob or Israel talking and we think of the 12 tribes of Israel who possessed land in Israel when they took the promised land. So now hasn't he just ratcheted up to 14? I don't know about the 14 tribes of Israel. What's going on here? Well, Joseph is not getting land because Joseph's um, uh, blessing has just been given twice as much. And so he'll get a double portion and Manasseh and Ephraim will will be tribes of Israel. And Levi, one of his other sons, is not a tribe that has land because they are declared to be the priests of Israel. It's it's where um, the spiritual leaders for the nation of Israel would come out of the tribe of Levi, um, who happened to be train wrecks, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, so now where are we at? We're at 15. And he blessed Joseph and said to them, the God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And he's just talking about the goodness of God, and he says, "You know God has been a good shepherd to me." Now, he knows what a shepherd in is. That's been his business. He's like 137 years old. all right? So for well over 100 years, that's been his occupation. He knows sheep. He knows how dumb sheep are, and he knows how important a good shepherd is, because sheep without a good shepherd die. They're not going to go find fresh water on their own. They're not going to go find new pastures when they eat this one all up. They're going to die. They they cannot protect themselves from predators. They're going to die. This is the first time in the Bible that God is referred to as a shepherd. First time is Jacob on his deathbed. And we see that time and time again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that God is our Good shepherd. That came from Jacob. And Jacob's saying, Almighty God, he's been good to me. He's taken care of me. He's protected me. He's led me. Even when I didn't want to be led and didn't know where I was going or why, God was good. He's our good, good shepherd. And now he tells the boys, he blesses the boys some more and and um. You know, I was reading through that, I was thinking, okay, it's it's interesting is what he didn't say. You know, a lot of our thinking would say, um, I'm gonna bless you and um, I'm gonna bless you and may you be blessed by God and get the highest GPA in your class. May you get into whatever university you wanna get into and may you graduate with honors. May you kill it in your career. And on your way to your career, may you just dominate on the athletic field. And may you be strikingly beautiful so that other strikingly beautiful people would desire you. And would you be able to afford all the things that you want to afford and enjoy in life? He doesn't say any of those things. At the end of the day, if you summarized what he's saying is... um, God is good. Be godly. Be godly. Draw close to God. Enjoy and follow God on your journey. That's the wisdom that I can give to you. And so um, if you're a parent and you asked your kid this question, what is my life telling to you about the most important things in my life? What legacy do you think I'm trying to leave? I mean, that would be interesting dinner table conversation, if you're brave enough. I remember asking that, those type of questions to my kids before, and Kelsey, my middle child, who was always very reflective, would look at me and say, do you really want to know? <laughs> and I would say, no. And, but what legacy are you leaving? Maybe you, 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 know, you don't have kids, and so what would your friends say? Who you live in life for? What's the most important thing that you value in life? What's the legacy are you living and are you leaving? And what's a really interesting time, I've told you this before, You know, I do a lot of memorial services, lots of weddings, and I prefer memorial services. And um, it's not because I am just a dark, well, maybe it is. But no, um, it's memorial services, you talk about stuff, you don't talk about the rest of your life. Um, you talk about what's important. You talk about your mortality. And you think about that at really one of the only times is, is during memorial services, because the rest of the time we're just too busy living and we don't want to think about it. But what happens is I meet with the family of whoever has passed away. And I say, tell me about them. You know, You obviously knew him way better than I knew him or her. Tell me about their life. And they um, start talking. And it always comes, it always gets to, um, are we confident where they are right now? And you really want to build a case that I I think they're okay. I've never been at a memorial where somebody didn't say, I'm so thankful that they're where they're at right now. No matter how they lived. It's cause we, you know, I get that. We wanna, we wanna have the best for our loved ones. Um, but a lot of times it's kinda like, yeah, I think they believed in God. And we start, we kinda start putting clues together. Well, I remember one time at Thanksgiving they prayed. Or I remember one conversation and he talked about God. And, and so we start trying to put clues together. And um, I just wanna challenge you that that's not the legacy we wanna live. Now you're in this room and so I, 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 I know, I assume you know you're on a spiritual journey. And for many of you, you'd say I'm I on a spiritual journey and I have placed my trust in God and I'm a follower of Jesus. If that's true our friends and family should not have a hard time figuring out that he is transforming our lives because our life is being guided and directed by him. And so how are we doing? Now here's the good news, as Jacob goes through his family, is uh, he's also reminding them that you know what, if, if you've, you haven't been doing great so far, um, that's okay because today can start a new chapter. You know, maybe in in your life, and so I start talking about this, and and Jacob starts his, his story with God Almighty. You're thinking in your mind, well, if I were to publicly tell you my story, it would start with, oh God. I mean, maybe it's it's not the story you, you want to be your legacy. But I want you to know that for every person in this room, this chapter that you're in right now can become your best chapter. It can become your best chapter. And that's what God wants it to be. And he's just saying, hey, I've made you. I love you. I made you to know me, to walk with me. I actually know what human flourishing looks like because I created you. And so trust me and let's walk together. And then you would start leaving a legacy. And so now um, the entire family arrives and the entire family goes into the house and is surrounding. And so this is all the sons, their wives and their children. And the sons move close to the bed. And Jacob says, okay, now I'm going to speak truth into each of your lives. And so he says, okay, Reuben, you're up first. So in chapter 49, verse 3, he says, Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. And Reuben's going, yeah. I am liking where this going, but then it takes a dramatic turn. Verse four. Reuben, you're unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed and then you defiled it and, he, and you went up um, on my couch and perverted it. I mean, he's, he's, he's saying, Reuben, you're my firstborn. You should be giving a double honor. You're not because you're a pervert and that is out of control with you and you have not dealt with it. And so you're not getting anything. And he goes, next. (laughs) And it's like, wow, this is not going the way I thought it would be. And Jacob in his life and in his wisdom is just saying, hey guys, I have not always been the guy that I wanted to be, but I want you to know right now that uh, my life has been one that I have realized the goodness of God, and without him, you're gonna continue to go down a path that hurts you and hurts those around you. And so instead of just washing over that, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's what he does. And, and, and this is kind of the message to Reuben and to some of his other sons is who you are. And if you're messed up and you're not dealing with it, who you are will continue to negatively impact your life now and in the future. And he he talks to each one of them and reminds them of that. Either if you continue this cycle, this is going to be bad news, or you were in that cycle and you repented, and there's blessings that are coming. And Reuben, there's not blessings for you. And so here's one of the things that jumps out at me, is you don't get to control when consequences expire. I mean, because some of them are thinking, hey, that happened a long time ago. Yeah, but the pattern remains, and you've never asked for forgiveness. And you've never admitted the faultiness and the evil of your ways. And it's just gonna continue. And I see it, and God sees it. I know you, God knows you. And so he's being real. Simeon and Levi are the next two. And he says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. And he's saying, you guys um, have this sense of justice, but then it snaps into uncontrolled anger. And what was justice is not served because now you take it out on re- with revenge that greatly um, surpasses what justice demanded. And he says, you- your anger is out of control and you are unjust in how you deal with people that you're angry at. And it is a problem then and it's a problem now. So, Levi has a anger that's off the charts and has caused problems. Simeon's not getting anything. Levi is going to be the line of priests. And so what's going on there? Well, here's great news is even though Levi didn't get his act under control and he has a long line of angry people, there came a time where his descendants said, we're breaking the direction of our tribe. We're we're taking our family in a different direction. And maybe you don't have a long history of um, great people in your family. And it hasn't been modeled to you but you can be the one in your family that says, I'm starting a new chapter. It's not only a new chapter in my life, but it's gonna be a new course for my family. And that was later on the tribe of Levi. In Exodus chapter 32, you can look it up at another time, but Moses is with the now the people who have left Egypt, the descendants of Jacob who now have left Egypt. Since their great beginning in Egypt, they have have been um, placed into slavery and servitude. And now they were freed, and they're walking in the desert, for, and there's two million of them. And so Moses goes and spends time with God, saying, now we are your people. We want to know, how are we to live? How are we to live to reflect who you are, and how are we to treat others? And so he goes and spends time with God. He comes back down Mount Sinai from that meeting, and the rest of the two million have said, you know what, um, yeah, God's good. He got us free, but you know, all those other gods that were worshiped in Egypt, maybe we should worship them too, just to cover all the bases. And, and one of the ways that you worship them is you make, you make um, precious metals that are you know, placed, uh, that are um, shaped into different animals and calves, and then you worship them with, with um, practices that were terrible in the eyes of God, but right in the eyes of the small g gods. And so Moses come down, they're having a party, they're having an orgy, and he, and he stops it, and he is so upset, and he's saying, this is such an affront to God. Did the real God just rescue us from Egypt? The real God who's promised this all the time, he's fulfilled his problems in spite of our flakiness, and now the first opportunity you've, you've gotten, you've, you've flaunted it in front of his faces, and you're doing the very things that he says that followers of mine don't do. This has got to stop. We've got to purge this type of thinking and living from among us. And the tribe of Levi stands up and says, you are so right, we're so wrong. We'll help you make the change. And the tribe of Levi stood up and they repented and they led the charge and they became the priests. They were blessed by God as a result of their repentance and change. And so it's not a result of the blessings on Levi himself, but it's a result of the blessings on his people who later um, repented and created a new path for that tribe. You have a choice, you have a choice. And hey, let's make this one the best one. Verse eight, Judah. Your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is saying, Judah, you were messed up, and you saw it and you changed your ways. Because the other brothers are going, hey, you're, you're blessing Judah. He was a total train wreck. Remember when he he like abandoned the family at our greatest hour of need? And he went into Canaan and he lived with a bunch of pagans and he married pagan wives and he had pagan children and they're all a big train wreck. And it's like, yes, that's all true. But then he came back and over time, he saw the error of his ways He sought the forgiveness of God, the grace of God was extended to him. In the last few chapters that we've been looking, Judah has been stepping up into areas of responsibility and he's been honoring his father and he's been doing the right thing. And so Jacob is saying, Judah, in your line are gonna come the kings. King David, didn't say this, but we know, King David, greatest king in all of Israel, Comes from the line of Judah. Do you know who else will come from the line of Judah? Jesus. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. See, Judah was extended grace because he repented and turned back to God. And now through his line is going to come the ultimate grace giver. Jesus Christ. And so there's blessings on the line of Judah. Zebulun, verse 13, Zebulun, your descendants, um, they're gonna get property with an ocean view. Um, I'm just gonna summarize these here for you. Issachar, uh, you're strong, but you're lazy. You don't take care of your stuff, you're just lazy. Um, In fact, if you did literal interpretation, it says you are strong, but a donkey. Okay, so he's a strong. mm -hmm. you don't take care of your stuff, so other people are going to take it from you. Dan, from you are going to come judges. From you, your your line are, is going to serve and protect. The the judges in the book of Judges come from the line of Dan. They are um, Samson is from the line of Dan, and so Jacob says, um, you, "You're you're the police. We're making you the police for our nation." Um, so that's Dan. Verse 19, he goes to Gad and he says, hey, Dan's gonna be, he's gonna serve and protect, but for you, uh, you're gonna get mugged. Your people are gonna get mugged. Says, what, what's going on there? Well, he, he, the, the people of Gad are gonna have the easternmost uh, land. And so there's gonna be all kinds of armies from the east coming and attacking. And so you're gonna be attacked first. And, and you'll fight back, but That's gonna be your future and your people's future. 20, Asher's, Asher's descendants are gonna get the best agricultural land. They're gonna have the best food. 21, uh, okay, here it is, I'll just read it to you. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. And so what does that mean? I don't know. I, I, I mean, there's lots and lots of different opinions, but I don't know. So we're skipping Naphtali. We so uh, sorry, but I just, I'm, whatever I said would be a shot in the dark. Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bow or bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. What that's a picture of is Joseph, you are blessed. And your blessings are going to be so bountiful, they're, they're going to flow over the walls of your property. So the fruit that's flowing over the walls of your property, as people walk by you and get near you, they're going to be enjoying the bounty that you've been blessed with. So what's that saying? Joseph, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed to be a blessing. That is a theme that carries on throughout the rest of the New Testament. You are God's people, and as God's people, I want to bless you but I want to bless you because I want to bless the entire world. And so leverage what you have to bless others. In the New Testament, that continues. Blessed to be a blessing. Okay, followers of Jesus are blessed to be a blessing. We are to be uncommonly generous. Okay, so here's some some disturbing stats. In the United States, the average American is generous with 2 to 3% of what they make. 2 to 3%. In the United States, the average American who says they're a follower of Jesus is generous with 2 to 3% of what they make. Equally greedy. If we're followers of Jesus, then there is no way that we can see our lives as not blessed. In this country, I mean, there is inflation. There is you know, rising interest rates. The stock market hasn't been great for a couple years. And yet, we are some of the wealthiest people to ever have walked the earth. I mean, there's no way we can see, as followers of Jesus, that we're not blessed. And you said, what's your responsibility? You're blessed to be a blessing, uncommonly generous. It is is a sin for followers of Jesus not to be generous, because it does not reflect Jesus. It does not reflect the heart of God. We're blessed to be a blessing, not to be selfish, not to worry we might lose some of our stuff, but to leverage it for the benefit of others. We're blessed to be a blessing. Benjamin, verse 27, your descendants are gonna be scrappy. Um, There's examples where in the Old Testament where Benjamin's descendants, man, they're good fighters, they're scrappy, they mix it up. Um, in In the New Testament, you know who comes from the line of Benjamin? Paul, Saul. I mean, he was scrappy. He was a well representative of his line of Benjamin. And then in verse 33, after he's all done, when Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. He passed away. Now, if we, if we jump just to the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 50, verse 3, one verse, at the tail end of that verse, it says, "As the Egyptians And the Egyptians wept for him, Jacob, for 70 days. Way to go, Jacob. Even your critics wept over your death. Egyptians thought that they were the master race. They thought they were better than anybody else, especially Canaanites, especially Hebrews from Canaan, especially Hebrews from Canaan who were shepherds, their most despised profession. And Jacob was all those things and they mourned his death his greatest critics could say, you know what? We've seen these 17 years, we've seen how you've lived and we respect you. We respect you. Way to finish strong, Jacob. My prayer for us today is that this chapter in your story would be your best chapter yet. And so what does that mean? How does that look? What's God calling you into, or maybe what's God calling you to face that you haven't? Let's uh, let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you so much for, man. Just thinking, thousands of years ago, a few thousand years ago, we're reading about a family. Um, who is learning to know you and follow you and making mistakes and and yet some um, turning to trust you and stepping into the hard things of their past. I ask that you would just guide each of us to know you more and to trust you more. How do you start a new chapter? I mean, Jesus said, remain in me know me, trust me, follow me. Father, would you just give each one of us clarity as far as what next steps look like in this chapter of our journey with you. And it's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. We are going to have our second offering here. This is the offering that goes to the ministries of Rolling Hills. It's our normal offering. It's the The one that we had asked that you would give to before you give to anything else and um, this church family is what supports all the ministries that happen here all the ministries that happen here that reach into our community and all the ministries that actually reach into many many different regions of the world and so thank you for your generosity and as we continue to worship we're going to take our offering